Welcome to the Holsey B. Mark radio station. Listen, share, follow. Be part of the journey. Listen to things from cryptozoology, UFO, comedy, music, interviews, Freddy the Free Car Show, and much, much more. Enjoy the show. Late July 2017, Storm Island, Maine. A flashing blue light on the top of the police cruiser cast eerie shadows on the stone walls of the old manor house. I watched as he danced about, bleeding occasionally with the red and white ones from the ambulance. His vault was a tabloid, reminiscent of the 4th of July, and recently come and gone. It was both beautiful and ironic. What happened tonight in that house could be no means ever be described as celebration. A shiver ran down my spine. I wrapped my arms around myself to ward off the chill. I was standing in the shadows, in the courts of trees, watching. A rain had started in a, as a drizzle was rapidly becoming a downpour. I pulled up the hood of my windbreaker as the heavy drops began to mingle with my tears. The old wooden door of Stone View Manor abruptly creaked open. I waited, knowing my, in my heart who and what would be coming out. EMTs pushing a gurney swiftly exited the hoods of their stickers, stickers obscuring their faces as they tried to stay dry. The gurney it propelled wasn't empty. A long dark blue bag came as made of plastic, thick plastic, sat on top. I suppressed a scream as I watched it bounce down the steps on its way to the ambulance. Tears that stained my cheeks intensified. I knew who was in that bag. I knew I would never see him again. It broke my heart. As the first responders loaded the gurney into the rear of the ambulance, my attention was diverted back to the old manor house. Two men came to the wooden door and hurried down the steps. One was in uniform. I recognised him. It was Officer Stubble, Storm Island's resident policeman. The other was wearing a beige overcoat. Collar turned up to avoid the chill of the stormy night. I believe a detective, a stranger from the mainland, had been charged with investigating his recent death. I watched the policeman as they conferred, and when the door opened again, I stepped into the porch with two other figures. I knew well my aunt, Hepizia, her husband, Roel. They stood on the top step over overhang, seeking shelter from the rain. Roel was his arms around Hetty, holding her protectively as he leaned her head into his chest. The man in the overcoat spoke softly. Briefly with them, and then the officer in uniform emerged from the mains. He was carrying several police plastic containers, bags that soon held a murder weapon, never on vital evidence. I knew that as much as I wanted to stay, it was time to take my leave. Slowly, with being careful not to be noticed, I turned and walked swiftly down the path and led to the carriage house and place I called home that summer. Time was no sense of essence. They would be coming for me soon, and then they came. When they came, I'll be ready. I'll needed to be ready. Two months earlier, Memorial Hospital, Los Angeles, California. Are you sure you're old enough to cut me open? I looked up from my tablet and smiled. Yes, Mr. Peterson. I'm old enough. I've told you before. I'm a second-year resident surgery, and you know, Doctor Abraham. He'd be operating room too. You must be, I'd just be assisting, Mr. Peterson. 
was about my was about to say more, but Steve's head nods on the unit was a good friend of mine. Decided to put it in his two cents. Don't worry, Henry, he said with a grin. Doctor Pomeroy was some of the best hands in the business. And like she said, Redbone, you'll be there too, together. You'll probably got two of the best surgeons in the West Coast looking after you, taking care of you. Peterson took a deep breath and smiled. Well, if you say so, Steve. I grinned at Steve, then turned my back to my patient. Okay, then. You just rest. Do some reading and watch TV. I'm sure it's scheduled for four o'clock. I'll see you then. If anything comes up in the meantime, you buzz for Steve or you one of the nurse, other nurses, okay? Peterson nodded. Satisfied, I patted him on the knee, turned and giving Stephen a quick wink, left the room. Once out in the corridor, quickly made some final notes on my tablet, walked down the hall toward ER. Mr. Peterson was a six-year-old man, admitted to memorial for gallbladder surgery. Procedure was routine. I'm assisting Dr. Alistair Redbone in the OR. Dr. Redbone was one of the most prominent surgeons, her rotation being extremely hard on residents. I knew I'd be, I would be no exception. I met him when I was a medical student, clerking on his, on his service. I had most of his, my fellow female classmates, impressed with his George Corney good looks, right, right down to a dash of grey and the temples. He would be charming when he wanted, something ruthless when he felt it necessary. He flirted me occasionally during the six weeks. I clerked for him. I suppose that's more than just a little flattered. I was married, and that meant... That meant he was definitely off limits. We met again when I started my surgery registry here. By this time he was divorced. Hospital Rosclip blamed the failure of his marriage on numerous infidelities, but I was in awe of him. I didn't give, a, give any weight to this. He was well respected by my father, who was a chief of scarf, and memorial, keeping it all in the family. Also had passing acquaintance with my aunt Haiti, a psychiatrist who practiced in the East Coast. On his service during my first year, Dr. Redbone again flirted with me, laying on the charm, and by this time I had entered my second year, we were, say the least, involved. He was a skilled lumber who caused danger and often pulled me in a hospital, linen closet, or empty bed- patient bedroom for a quick but satisfying liaison. He would be cool, but always exciting. Against my better judgment, I found myself totally enthralled. It was manageable when I was working in other spiritual, spiritual specialities, but now I was on his service. Things became awkward, perversely because of our intimate relationship. He seemed to single me out for verbal punishment and criticism. I already felt the lash of his tongue on numerous occasions during rounds and old wounds. But today he would be the first time at act as the first sister to OR. I'm not looking forward to it. Turning my mind to Mr. Peterson, outcoming surgery, I approached one of my fellow second year residents, Dr. Seth Rambling, one who is standing in standing at the yard intake desk, taking one of the clerk, talking with one of the clerks. Hey, Seth, I called. Can I speak to you for a minute? Sure, he said, grinning. Why, what's up? Can you cover for me about 5.45? I need to ca- catch a catnap. Right about your surgery? I laughed. Yeah, I had a late night here down last night. I'm afraid I'm going to get a couple of hours sleep. Redbone's going to be gunning for me today, and I need to look sharp. Stiff grinned knowingly. He was about to say something, but thought better of it. Hotels are like small towns. Everybody knows everybody else's business. My farewell that that was no exception. Sure, I'll end it for that, finally said. Forty-five, I've got you. Thanks, I owe you one. If you need me, pay me. 
I mean, I was swinging, laundry, stop room. Seth nodded, cool. Giving him one last smile, I headed for the elevators. The laundry supply room was on the second floor. The on-call rooms of residents used for, for sleeping were at the opposite end of the building. I prefer the laundry room, because it's more peaceful. No residents whispering or making out, just blessed quiet. Someone made before my time I discovered this Nevada and placed a cot against the back wall. It's still there today. That and a scent of freshly laundered scrubs and lab coats made for the perfect environment to grab a few Z's. Laundry room was empty when I got there. I went made straight for the cot. Stretching out, I'd set my phone to chime in. Forty minutes. Close my eyes and drifted to dreamland. Now I'm sure there's some sceptics out there who question how I could feel sleep so fast. But sure, it's possible. After almost two years of residency, I fall asleep in a heartbeat and wake up the same amount of time, peering bright-eyed and refreshed. It was the same of all my, of all my fellow residents. Such is the nature of surgical training in a large Mediterranean teaching hospital. So I said I fell asleep almost instantly. I think about half an hour into my nap when something started tickling me in, in my into my conscious. Voices rolled over, burying my face, my hands, in my attempt to blot them out. But they slipped in my ear canals like tiny spiders and went into my brain. But I'm burying all the risks. Another 50k? Not too much to ask? You wouldn't have been paid enough. And what if you're wrong? What if you residual shows my blood test? What's then? I'll be the one on the hook. You've got, you, you, not your, you or your partners. I'm not, conti- I'm not containering. Let's go get more. Fully wait now. Concentration had me intrigued. I glanced over its direction. Two men were standing just inside the door. Laundry. One of them, one of them was recognised as Doctor James Gilway, assistant chief of psychiatry in Morgan. The other man was a stranger. Thinking about snippets of conversation I've heard, my first assumption was the unknown man was a drug rep, lucky a big farmer, farmer trying to get the Conway on board one of their new pharmaceuticals. New bribery was uncommon in the medical world. This guy didn't look like any drug rep I ever seen before, and believe me, I see tons of them. The man was big, muscular, and his face was littered with pot marks. Pot, pot marks. He looked more like someone you don't want to bump into the fault about when, when I'm a guy hawking drugs of Rochi or Prefer. The two men still were talking, but in whispers I strained at him. Da 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 da. In the first note says Queen's. Dancing green exploded from my phone. It was my wake-up call. Both men turned. I stared in my direction, knowing if they caught me, eavesdropping, I might find myself in an awkward situation. I quickly turned my head back, down, back, to rest my arms, closed my eyes, and then again, that I hope was a realistic impression of waking up from a deep sleep. I stretched from my eyes through my fists and glanced at my phone, and if they're checking for messages, Dr. Pillamoy? I was feigned surprise and turned to face Dr. Conway, who was now standing alone near the entry of the supply room. The young man disappeared. Dr. Conway, I responded, getting off the cot. I was just catching up a little sleep. I had a late night in the yard due to being smashed up at one to five. Are you looking to, to use a cot? Dr. Conway frowned. I waited. He was obviously trying to find the right words. Finally he spoke. You were asleep? I went, yeah. What else would I be doing in here in the cot? He didn't answer. Ran my fingers through the hair and straightened my lab coat. Well, I've got to go back to work. The cots are all yours, if that's what, you, that's what you, you're here for. I started to walk down past the door, big on my arm. I didn't hear, you didn't hear anything, did you? 
asked his voice, taking a strident quality. I shook my head. Hear what? All I heard was my head. Found going off. If you don't mind, let go of my arm. You're hurting me. Drop my arm. He said he's been in touch with me. Touch with a red hot poker. Sorry, he mumbled. He stood at the side to let me pass. Once in a hallway, I double timed it to the elevators. Whatever was going on, I wanted nothing to do with it. Colmey was taking kickbacks from big armies. More hand of him. It wasn't my business. <laughs>